Welcome to Get Up in the Cool, old-time music with Cameron DeWitt and friends. This week's friend is Brandon Olszewski. We recorded this in October, six feet apart, in Melissa Takish's backyard in Eugene, Oregon. One thing before we get started, I'm teaching my pitchfork banjo technique and performing for the Winter Online Old Time Banjo Festival, January 29th through 31st. Early bird tickets are available by December 30th, which is today, the day of this episode's release. Also on the bill are Dan Gellert, Ivy Shepard, Steve Boffman, and former guests of the show Gabrielle McRae as half of the Horsenecks, Maggie Shar, and of course, the hosts of this quarterly event, Kathy Fink and Brad Kolodner. Follow the link in the show notes and I'll see you in the comments section. Stick around afterwards and I'll tell you how to keep up with Brandon Olszewski. But first, here's our interview and jam. Enjoy. start in the morning yeah so i learned that one from um you know back when before we had smartphones and you had to use the old school dedicated recorder you know i remember i pulled that or at least before i had a smartphone i remember pulling that one from an old portland old time gathering jam where the canotes were playing yeah and i was like and i love three-part tunes i love tunes that have some kind of majestic four chord and um I also like tunes that have, like, good opportunity for minor embellishment. You know, like... There's a lot of space in that one. Yeah, exactly. So... um, Uh, I love the connotes and just the the waves of sort of influence, positivity, and knowledge and wisdom that they've just, like, emanated throughout, like, up and down the coast. You know, I, I feel like they've also done this thing about... The players that I learned, especially here in the South Willamette Valley, that I learned from, they tend to have, like, their sources. You know, like, Fuzzy Mountain or Plank sure. Road or, like, whatever. Yeah. And and I feel like the Canotes do this thing where, like, they're rooted in tradition, but they also have that kind of poppy Northwest sound to the way they play. Huh. You know? I don't know. It's hard to say, like, 
I know that a lot of players are really good about like going back to the original sources, you know, like Clyde's old recordings and things like that. And when I do that, sometimes there's something about like the way those fiddlers play that it's hard for me to tr even bother trying to emulate because it's not how I grew up playing. Like, well, sure, yeah. You know, oh, like, oh, like pulling a Brad Leftwich. I'm going to learn how to play exactly like Tommy Gerald. You know, like, yeah. wow, that would be hard. That would take a lot of effort to figure that out. Yeah. And I feel like the connotes kind of like... You're also inviting a lot of criticism <laughs> when you say that you're doing that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but the connotes do it from a more just sort of... They're both traditional and contemporary at the same time, which I think, like, at this point in human history, we have to be. You yeah. Know? Like, we have to shed things from the past that are, like, bad news, but keep and continue to evolve more. Yeah. I'm a big, like... Ev evolve adapt or die you know like big you know like which is not necessarily traditionalist you know it's funny because there's a supreme court nomination going on right and you know oh there's like God. oh are you an originalist or are you like <laughs> oh god i don't even want to get into that but i guess i should probably introduce you uh brandon Olszewski. Oh, right. yeah. welcome to get up in the cool hi cameron good morning we're Thanks in we're in melissa's backyard she's the last last stop on this trip so, shout out to Melissa again. Thank you. It's mid-October, and we have fantastic weather. Yeah, this it's is, amazing. It's nice. It's really good. I uh, was hoping to come down to Eugene earlier because uh, I wanted to get a few more in-person interviews. I've been mostly doing remote because of COVID, and, uh, which is, I'm glad that it's possible, but... God, it sure is a lot of work to do that, and then to like overdub music and to have an asynchronous jam, and yeah, it's a lot. Uh, but I wanted to get some more in-person interviews in for my own like mental health, but also because <laughs> I need to do that anyway. But also just uh, because uh, there's just there's just some more fun. It's it's hard to hard to beat, and I knew that the weather was going to turn. I wanted to do it earlier. But then uh, the whole fucking state comes. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> the day it rained ash. Yeah. Yeah. It seems fine now. Yeah, I do hear that, um, good tip, uh, change the air filter in your car. Okay. I haven't done mine yet, <laughs> but this occurred to me. One of my coworkers put this on our, like, uh, local area, our Eugene Portland area Slack channel. It's like, hey, here's a tip for the week, you know, so... Yeah, I remember, like, I feel like it was four years ago, and I was playing a gig with my band, Breaker's Yard, and we were playing at, like, one of these wineries out here, and I remember that there was a day, or no, it was, like, a microbrew place, and we looked out, like, over the valley, and it was really beautiful, except it was so smoky, and this year it was, like, it was a solid two times worse, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty crazy. So you, you tune-sucked that tune from the Canoe Brothers. Mm -hmm. uh, and you're talking about different ways to engage with traditional music. And I guess I'm wondering what percentage of the tunes that, let's say, let's say the tunes that you can start, uh, would, would you say you, you've gotten from sources or mm -hmm. from relationships or people in your life? Well, Cameron, as a statistician, I really like talking in proportions oh, and that. percentages. <laughs> yeah. um, so mine is like kind of, and I was as I was thinking about what should we play today and like the stories behind some of these, um, I thought about like kind of highlighting the, the big pieces. So like kind of there's four 25% chunks and 25% I kind of learned from my buddy Rich uh, Klopfer, who lives uh, literally a block and a half from me. He's a carpenter. He's helped me build and just built stuff on my property and I, I played with him for years in the slippery slope string band and just like in local jams and i call him the source that's my nickname for him because he's my source for like so many of my tunes um then isn't that a great nickname yeah you know, like anybody who gets that one yeah if someone calls me the source someday i will just like like when you're in your 60s and oh. you're like oh my god this is so great <laughs> So then uh, the captain is my buddy, John Luna, who lives up about uh, just outside of Philomath. So like, you know, 40 miles north of here or whatever. And 
I mean, here in that name, just because whenever he shows up, it's like you have a real jam happening. And I mean, I learned a lot of tunes just from playing with him. And then also, unlike collections he's made, um, like maybe the next tune will play like new five cent piece. It's like one of the first ones I learned how to play on the fiddle. And it was on this compilation back when people still had CDs, you know, like on a compilation CD. Um, A quarter of my tunes I've probably got from like festivals and just playing at jams um but you know usually at the community jam like i don't know i'm of the mind that like you generally want to play chestnuts unless it's the end of the night and it's just like you know the small crew left over and then we can start playing weird crooked stuff or whatever but yeah filters are off right um so 25 percent from there and then 25 percent just from like sitting at my house listening to weird recordings that um I, I hate to say it, you know, usually come from more contemporary artists. I mean, when I first started playing old-time music, it was the first one was in a jam in 2003 in Seth Kimmel's living room. I showed up with a mandolin, right? And um, and then, like, the Foghorn String Band was the first old-time band I ever found, you know, and I somehow got my hands on a CD of it, you know, and then kind of, like, just went in all directions from there. So it's kind of like 25s. I mean, they're technically contemporary, but but damn, you know they're yeah. It's a good contemporary artist to learn solid from. contemporary artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. It also helped like this way you like learn knowing what dance tempo is. You know, you don't have to learn how to speed up later. Yeah, <laughs> you can play along with the CD. You know, and that was helpful because I think that kind of gave me the sense of like this is how it should feel like. Yeah. You know. Well, thanks for making a little uh, verbal pie chart for us. <laughs> that was great. It's absolutely my pleasure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to play that new five cent piece then? Oh yeah, let's that's do a that. D tune, right? It's a D tune, yeah. I think that I I think that I know this tune enough that we don't have to like warm up on it. I think I could just do it. And then the B part's like it's like a classic. Yeah, I think I'm ready. Okay, I cool. think I'm ready. To yeah. That's solid, you know. That's a good first tune to play at a jam. You know? yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, 
There is a, a Eugene area old time music scene. There's a festival. There's a square dance, or at least there was, and I'm sure it will. I'm sure it will resume. It's coming back. It's yeah, coming I'm back. not talking about the new normal. On yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's coming back. No one will be allowed to talk about when well, we couldn't touch each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all like we'll just planning planning on that happening. Uh, what has been your experience trying to fill a leadership role? in a community getting people together to come play music with each other you said you said earlier well, yeah when i'm at a jam generally i try to just play chestnuts which to me when i hear someone say that it's like oh there's someone who's specifically talking about making a a sustainable community experience where people feel welcome and not everyone has that as a priority and I really value when, when people do. So, yeah, I would, I would love to hear you speak to that. When, when did you first... I mean, where are you from? Are you from here? Like, originally? Yeah. Oh, I was born in East Tennessee. I was born at the University of Tennessee Knoxville Hospital. Um, but I grew up in a very small town called Solway in East Tennessee. That's a real place. Uh, halfway between Knoxville and Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, Oak Ridge is famous for the government plants that build the triggers for the atomic bombs that ended up. Oh my God. <laughs> Drop that one. Um, and, uh, and so everyone's like, oh, so this music's just in your blood, isn't it? You know? And I'm like, well, not really. My parents were like from New Jersey, but they moved to Tennessee. And so, like, I grew up because my dad was an engineer and he worked at those plants. And so I grew up, I basically spent half my life in East Tennessee and then half my life here in Eugene, Oregon. Okay. I moved here in 2001. Yeah. Um, and I remember being like, I started playing music when I was 10 years old, like in middle school band, although I went to this really small school. But um, so that was in fifth grade and I started playing the trumpet. And um, why, then, why, did, why did you do that? Did someone tell you to? Did was there someone that you wanted to hang oh, out with? Uh, Were you interested in trumpet music specifically? No, you know, like my parents both have college degrees, so like education was very important. It was never even in our family vocabulary that like dropping out of high school anybody did that, you know. Sure. sure. Des- despite growing up in rural, like East Tennessee, right? Um, and so I don't, you know what it was is my dad loved Chicago. And is it Blood, Sweat, and Tears? Yeah, yeah these, like, kind of, I don't even know what decade those bands are from, but, you know, they had brass sections and stuff. Sure. And he was like, you should learn how to play the trumpet. And I was Blood, like, okay. I'll Blood, learn. Sweat, and Tears, were the, like, they did that uh, spinning wheel song, right? Isn't that them? I don't know. What goes up <laughs> must come down. Okay, yeah. That song. I know and, that yeah, song, there's right? There's hella horns in there, yeah. Yeah, right? Yeah. So I think I'm going to credit that as the yeah, original sure. inspiration. Um. And then when I became a freshman in high school, um, I was like, I'm not playing the trumpet anymore. I'm going to get a guitar, right? And so sure. I, like, my first real instrument I got was like an electric guitar. Yeah. It was red, and it had like this tiny little amp, you know? And Yeah, it's a big mood. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Played it down yeah. in the basement, you know? Yeah. And um, so that's when I was 14, and I'm 42 now. And I like, so I just like never quit playing, yeah. you know? And the point of all this is that, and so, you know, like, by the time I was a sophomore, I had, like, gotten, you know, Green Day Dookie and Nevermind by Nirvana and just, like, learned them from the start to the finish. It just went nuts, right? Yeah. And How did, then, how did you go about learning them? I'm a, I'm a by-ear player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I can read jazz charts, but, like, um, I just learn it all by ear. I mean, I'm from the, like, when I started playing, like, rock instrumentation music. Yeah. That was right when online tab sites were just like that was sort of like the way that you like learned how to do stuff um but i i don't actually know you you said you're 42 so like yeah so i guess this would have been in like 92 so yeah ultimate guitar.com there wasn't guitar tabs.net whatever like that wasn't an option so you were just if, if, if Al Gore had invented the internet by that time, <laughs> it would be too slow to use, especially in sure. the middle of nowhere. Sure. Yeah. 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 So I had to do, I just did it with bar chords. That yeah. was how I first did it. Bar chord. That's why like Green Day, I think of that's that. That's all like, you really need. Yeah. That's all you need. And those albums are like 
so simple. And it like, actually, looking back, it gave me a sense of interval from a very early age. Sure. You know, I didn't know anything about, you know, the Nashville numbering system. I didn't know anything about that. But yeah. like, I was intuitively developing that on a guitar neck. But when, yeah, like when did traditional music yeah, so the picture? That's the part of, that's the point of the story, right? So like, I played rock music, you know, and then like started learning fish tunes when Green Day became too boring. Um, and then I would have been like 18 or something like that. And I'll, it's cliche, but I heard Doc Watson for the first time. And that was, that was like a defining moment in my life. And it changed everything, right? And so I went to like this little old uh, music shop, Ciderville Music House. It's like in Clinton, Tennessee or something. I don't even know if it's still around. But, um, you know, it was like back in the middle of nowhere. And that's where I bought a mandolin and stuff like that. And that's, and so from the time I was like 18 on, I started, I was kind of like into playing jazz. Like I played in hot club swing bands as a guitar player. But then I also like learned how to play the mandolin. Then I got a banjo. And I got a fiddle, you know, yeah. and all that stuff. And that's the story. Yeah. So, something that I hear a lot from people who sort of convert to playing traditional music, people assigning certain degrees of authenticity mm. to that. And then mm -hmm. as they, like, get deeper into the music, you know, some of those ideas will get more nuanced or fall away. And it'll... I, I guess I'm curious as an 18 year old you're listening to Fish you're listening to Green Day um, mm -hmm. what was it about Doc Watson's playing that mm. that opened something up for you what, I guess what did it do to your brain and like that, that made you think oh I should do that as opposed to this is a cool thing I can listen to you know, I think it's the concept of voice leading, which it's funny as we were setting up, we were kind of talking about like, what's so cool about the pedal steel and what makes it similar to a piano? Like you can leave things some, you can leave some things constant while changing others. And you do that with on a piano with your fingers and you do that on a pedal steel with levers or pedals, right? And that's like a super powerful thing. And when you think about playing the guitar, it's like, usually it's, usually it's chords or the lead jam part, yeah. right? And when I heard Doc Watson play, like pick, you know, Omi Wise or like any of these yeah. traditional, like I, I heard it and I said, oh my gosh, he's playing the chords and the melody all at the same time. And I remember like one of the things that I heard him say one time is like, hey, if you're going to get to be a good guitar player, what should you do? And he said, always make sure you can play the actual song first. Don't be one of these generic players that's just like, oh, I've got my licks out of C and I've got my licks out of G. Instead, like, learn the tune. Yeah. And then take minor embellishments on it. Yeah. Don't, like, you don't have to be Tony Rice. Forget that. That's not going to happen, right? But what you can do is, like, by working minor embellishments, you kind of, like, develop your own sound and you also stick close to, like, the original intent of the tune. So there is like a certain, you know, like when you listen to his playing, it's traditionalist in the sense of like in the first four measures, you can almost always tell, oh, this is Deep River Blues. Immediately you know it. Right. Because he's sticking to it. He's not just um, doing a bunch of copy and copying and pasting. Yeah. Of like... R licks. Yeah. yeah. Oh, kind of like the way we use some lyrics like peaches in the summertime, apples in the fall. Right. That can appear in any song, yeah. you know. It's he's not doing that. Yeah. And that really appealed to me. So when you listen to the record, all the songs sound different, but they all sound traditional. And I really like that. Huh. Yeah. Cool. Okay, so I want to play another tune, but then after I'm putting a pin in this. A after that, I want to ask you, I want to get back on the music as a community building uh, oh, yeah. thing. Uh, because... I would never, I personally would never use the word cerebral in a derogatory sense, because I think that that's a really powerful way to engage with music, and doesn't mean that you can't have high emotive and intuitive relationships to music, too. But what you're describing is you're, you're thinking about music a lot, and often that can get in the way for some people mm -hmm. 
to make to making community building. So I want to ask you about that, but I want to play another tune first for the sake of uh, spreading the tunes out, not all jamming them in at the end. What do you, where are we going to play next? Um, you want to do Pig Ankle Rag? Yeah. Yeah? Do you want to play it like once through? Let's just try it. Yeah. How many parts does it have? Uh, it's just two. But the B part's short. It's like six measures instead of eight measures. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. I think the first time I ever heard that was um, playing with Skip in Centralia, like, you know, over 10 years ago sometime. But. Yeah, so I guess that would be the, like, festival quadrant yeah. of, the, of the pie. Yeah. <laughs> so, like I was saying, you, you're, you obviously think about music a lot, and but you're also in now this like sort of leadership role in trying to make the Eugene area not just a bunch of separate musicians but one kind of scene um, where people get together and play and new people are learning how to play there's dances, there's points of access uh, and you obviously think about that too and when, when did you start doing that here? Well, you know, Eugene isn't very big, right? So there's a limited number, and that's got pros and cons, right? Sure. Um, and there's, so there's a limited number of places to, like, have a dance or have a jam, right? And, like, I started learning how to call dances. I mean, the first moment of that was Bill Martin, may his soul rest in peace. Like, one year he was down here calling a dance for me and Kristen Harris and Seth Kimmel, we were playing in this little band, Molasses, and we like to play dances. And it's like, Bill, it's so cool that you call these dances. You know, like, how'd you get into it? He's like, you just get a couple dances, you know, that you can kind of call, and you just start, and you just see what happens. Remember that it's a party first and a dance second, you know? Oh, that's great. But that was the, and I just, I was like, okay. You know? And so, <laughs> like, I tried it, right? Yeah. And here's the point of that story is that, 
so then over like the past 15 years, I've like played or called or helped organize a dance at basically any venue you could think of that could possibly hold the dance in the Eugene area. Yeah. And, um, and the same is true with jams, like either organizing it or showing up. And what, one of the things is that like, you know, I would show up to a jam sometimes and there'd be like 12 fiddles and one banjo and no one playing the guitar. And so I'd play the guitar for like two and a half hours and like, like that can be fun, but like, Hey, we should pass the guitar around or something like that. Right. And, um, so over the years, like I started thinking about, well, if we want to, you know, like this evolve thing, if we want to attract new people to find out what we have and what it feels like to do rather than watch Netflix or whatever people do, right? Sure. Or get really drunk, you know? Um, It has to be inviting. Yeah. And that means, like, chestnuts at jams. You know, like, oh, it means the experienced players should look to make sure there's, like, a balance of instrumentation so that the jam sounds good, you know? And that there's spots in the back for people who are, like, anxious to get the instrument out of the case can sit, you know? And, like, so you got to think about that stuff first. And I feel like I had, like, periods where I was feeling inspired to help with them. Like, we'd have, we'd have like, the new dance series at, like, Cosmic down on 8th and Lincoln or, or Charnelton. And, you know, the first couple dances would go well, and then people would quit coming, and then I'd feel depressed about it, right? Yeah. And so I guess I'm, like, super grateful for Melissa and Adam uh, Gulliford helped us for a long time, but he moved back to Maryland, and so now Molly's helping us. But I'm really grateful for Melissa because her enthusiasm seems to never end, and I think she also gets that, like, how it's supposed to feel and what can we do to make it welcoming for people. Yeah. Yeah, that's a biggie. Yeah, it seems like it's really important to have someone loudly exclaiming that we're all having a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel like Melissa's really good at that. Yeah. Uh, and and it's, it's sort of like that perfect, uh, you know, kind of balance of like, um, I'm, I get the impression she's like on principle, I'm doing this because like, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a level of, uh, there's a level of social performance that I think is earnest that that is necessary for community building it's like all right let's do it guys you know like uh that kind of energy and it's like a mixture of like willpower to 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 uh drum up a feeling and you have to like be the the spark or whatever if someone new is about to sit in the jam so great example we had been having the, our monthly jam had been at this uh, Viking brewing place kind of out, out in West Eugene. And that was like a, the staff are super nice. It's like, you know, they make the brag at the beer themselves. You know, like it's a lot about it's really cool, right? Um, and there was this guy that showed up with, uh, do you know that banjo group, the old 78s? Do you know That's that? A group? Group? Yeah. The, the old 78s. The old 78s. And there's like, it's like three banjo players. It's like, I don't know, I'm kind of making this up. Like a five string, a tenor, and like one of these big banjos that you play okay. like a bass. I don't even know what that's called. The bass banjo? Anyway, this guy shows up there to like get a beer after work. And yeah. he's like, I'm going to go home and grab my big old banjo and I'll be back. And you know, like, be like okay you know and he shows up Cameron what? the pot on this thing is two feet across or whatever two or three feet across and it stands up like a base yeah and like we see him and we're like sitting there and we see him coming through the door with the thing and this one of the one of the many things that's so great about Melissa and we just like look at each other and she's like come on in yeah and that come on in yes if you want to grow the scene in a small pond like you have to do that yeah and to be honest like the guy could play he made it more fun we didn't have a bass that night like a lot of things yeah. were great anyway you know but the part that mattered was the smile and the welcoming yeah you know yeah and and that's like a really good reminder and it's cool if you want to have like and look if you want to have like your five person totally awesome rock and jam yeah you should totally do that and we can do that at my house on saturday night or whatever yeah, you know but like totally not at the Thursday night monthly jam. Yeah. You know, we're like, hey, let's teach people Julianne Johnson, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because if you do that 
and they do, and they keep coming on in, then, uh, first of all, they may already be great, but mm-hmm. even if they're not, and they're, and, and the rest of the band has to carry them, the rest of the jam has to carry them, uh, if they keep coming back, they, they will learn the tunes, they'll learn their repertoire, and they'll start putting back into the jam on a musical level, not that socially they aren't already. Um, and that's, yeah, that's how, that's how you get a scene going. How do you think I learned what old time is yeah. in 2002 or 2003, whichever, in Seth Kimmel's living room? I think it was fall 2002. And I showed up with my mandolin. And I was expecting, like, you know, a Doc Watson jam. Right. And then it's like, I had heard of Shady Grove, sure. you know, but like, I don't know what these tunes are, yeah. you know? And it, it took me a year to get my first 20 under my belt. And I, I like already know how to play. I could play in a jazz combo, yeah. you know? And I had to figure it out, yeah. you know? What if all you know you know how to play is, you know, like, I don't know, contemporary bluegrass or something like that, or like a couple folk songs or something? Yeah. Like, it takes people a while to learn. Learning is something that's hard, and one of the projects I manage is actually for work is about the learning sciences, which is like how our brains learn how to do things. Yeah. And it's effortful, it's difficult, and it takes time. You have to space it out. It's like you hear, like, don't cram for the test. Yeah. The opposite of cramming is called spacing. That means you do something a little bit every other day. Yeah. And that's a really great way to get better because you never get frustrated. After 60 minutes, your attention's out the window anyway. Sometimes it's 20, depending on the activity, right? Yeah. For the neurotypical, we have to find a way to absorb something into our lifestyle in order for it to be sustainable. Yeah. Um, Yeah, it has to, like, serve a function in our day-to-day life um, because otherwise it's going to go out the window in favor of something that will actually help us function. Yeah. Like you know, cooking. Like cooking. <laughs> exactly. sleeping. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's play a tune and then talk about where we go to buy your music okay. um, in whatever whatever forms you're, you're selling. Okay. Duck's Eyeball? Duck's Eyeball. It's got a great name, too, right? Yeah.
That's a tune you would just want to keep doing. Yeah. It's hard to end that one. That's like a good jam. <laughs> like, a good one to jam for a while. Yeah. You know? Get to pick the bow up off the strings. That's yeah. a fun thing. Um, there's also, like, I think, like, playing on banjo or guitar, there's, like, cool chordal opportunities, too. You know, so it's, like, variation in the dynamics of how the tune goes, yeah. you know, and little things like that. And it's got a minor thing. It's kind of like last chance, but, like, yeah. with a little bit more. And it, keeps, and it keeps going up to this note. The major... But it, it, yeah. it'll jump up to it. Yeah. Which is really bizarre. Yeah. It's cool. The, yeah, the, the note of the major seven, it's not just like, oh, that's a note in the five chord. It's like, no, that's a centerpiece of the turnaround. Yeah. yeah that's, like, a cool thing. It's not like you walk up to it or walk down to it. It's just like... Yeah. <laughs> right to that note. We're here again, Cameron. Yeah. We're here again, Cameron. <laughs> yeah. Side F sharp, you know. It's cool. Yeah. Well, we have one tune left before we do that. Breaker's Yard. Oh, yeah. How long has Breaker's Yard been a band? And what do you do if not uh, old time, even though you did you, you did Duck's oh, Eyeball, yeah, right. recorded that, but mostly you do other, other things. Yeah, so. let's see. We recorded our first album in 2013, okay. so it's been seven years or whatever. Um, we mostly play, I mean, it depends on where we're playing. If there's no electricity, we play a lot of, like, ragtime, jug band, and hot jazz stuff, and, like, acoustic, classic country. And then if there is electricity, we tend to play more kind of, like, honky-tonk-style music, like, with steel guitar and stuff like that. Um, cause it's easy to, for people to like love that and yeah. you want the listeners to be happy with whatever's going on. Yeah. You know, that's like part of the, part of the thing. So, um, yeah. Um, breakersyardmusic.com. That's the easy place to find us. We have a band camp page. We're on Spotify. Yeah. We don't make money from the online music, so you should just like listen to us on Spotify or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I love my bandmates. That's, that's probably the hardest thing for me about, um, the year we're living through yeah. and I was for, I was very fortunate I work in educational technology so I did not lose my job I'm like very busy because yeah. all the schools <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> I won't tell you about all of that you yeah. know but like um, but I miss but I miss my bandmates and getting to play with them Yeah. but we'll be back and then I also play um, some for a while we had kind of like a pickup square dance band with um, do you know Kyle and Liat the Gossamer Strings I don't think so. That name sounds familiar, the Gossamer Strings. Yeah, yeah. Liat Lees and Kyle McGonigal. Kyle is a luthier, and um, yeah, the Gossamer Strings, I mean, they've toured internationally and things like that, and so um, Stephen and I had been playing, like, our, our dance version, our, like, contra or square dance version of Breaker's Yard kind of turned into that, because cool. they're into playing traditional music, and their dynamics are awesome. So, like, we do things, like, where... Um, like, the fiddle won't even play much sometimes a whole way through the tune, which is not what you hear like a square dance. Sure, sure. You know, like, it's always like fiddle forward, you know, but we yeah. try and do a lot with dynamics. Um, and also, like, I remember I was playing a dance down here and there was a caller from up in Seattle and I was like, hey, so how'd we do, right? Because we're like not really a dance band. Oh, and that group goes by a string break dance camp. Great. String break dance camp. And... I asked the caller, and I was like, so give me some, what's your main point of advice? Yeah. And he was like, no, you guys are great. And I was like, come on, give me a piece of constructive advice, please, yeah. you know? He's like, well, you should explore dynamics more. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I looked up uh, the Great Bear Trio. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sure. And Noah is the guy's name or something like that. Anyway, like. They're like a big time contra dance. Yeah. I'm not going to, like, become Mr. Contra Dance, you know? Like, it's not really my thing, but there were elements of their playing that I really liked, like, modal chunking for a long time and, like, building up to something rather than just crank full speed ahead. So we're messing around with some of that. Yeah, I think uh, I think those bands are really smart. And they have to be because contra dancers, in my experience, are a lot more demanding Yes. of, like, having a specific experience and part of that is for this sort of like arc this yep. sort of like energy arc that like where square dance is just like bang 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 which i also love uh yeah, so yeah. i love the idea of you uh um not shying away from just being like hey this very different stylistic you know band like does this thing and why don't we do it too yeah that's great 
and even exploring like dynamics near that level for a square dance. Like, what would happen if we tried that? We might be hated. It might be epic. Like, it's hard yeah. to. But you know, like, evolve. Give it a shot. Hell yeah. You know. So. Okay, so if uh, in in the future when people are dancing together again, uh, someone's listening to this and they want a, a, a dynamically uh, sensitive uh, square dance and contra dance band, or a dynamically uh, brave square dance band, uh, then they should check out String Break Dance Camp. Yeah, we don't even have a website. Okay. But well, you could like find us through Breakers Yard Music, and that's there you the go. Easy yeah, way. and for yeah. you know honky tonk dances and, and shows and stuff, yeah, or or jet bands, you know, unplugged stuff. Breakers we'll play Yard. Yeah. weddings, divorces, seances, cool. anything so long as it pays. No. Great, great. Yeah. I think that's and, reasonable. And, and no right wing events. Okay, great. Let's <laughs> just be really clear. yeah, no rounds. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Thanks so much for. Doing Thanks, this. Cameron. This I, is like really fun. This is awesome. Yeah. I know that uh, figuring out where the kid's going to go so that you can go do a thing is 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 work, and I really appreciate. Yeah, you figuring that out so that we could do this in front of a mic instead of uh, you know just for fun, which I also want to do. Same with you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Well, what do you want to do for the last team? Uh, well, um, we could sing Wagon Yard. We could also do Waynesboro in G. Um. You know, I hadn't really talked much about um, the Eugene City Barnstormers. They're like another local old-time group, mm. and this is like a classic Sean Lockery tune. I was going to do Waynesboro. Have you already recorded? No. I was oh, okay. I'll, let's do Wagon Yard. Let's do that so that Melissa can do Waynesboro. <laughs> yeah. Great. Okay, great. Poaching her tunes. Okay. <laughs> Come on. I mean, if there was only one overlap, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty yeah. good. Um, <laughs> so last year, the 2019 featured artist for the... Um, Willamette Valley Old Time Social, our Mud City Old Time Society flagship event, were um, Micah Spence and Hannah Lewis. Yeah. And, it was uh, great. They were, um, they're so awesome. They're so awesome. That was like, that was a good year. And um, they, on the album Big Bully that they left us with, um, they recorded this. And I had known it from uh, Low Stokes and his North Georgians, I think. But I guess I was thinking about this song because um, uh, also like, when I moved to Oregon, like, from rural East Tennessee, you know, and again, it's like, my parents were college-educated and stuff, but still, like, growing up out in the Carnes area in Solway, you know, it's like, it's like a different world. It's not Eugene, that's for sure. And yeah. so, like, that story of the farmer going to the city, you know, is, like, yeah. kind of, I don't know, yeah. reminiscent, but not in a really historically accurate way for my sure. life. Not in an autobiographically accurate way. I don't know. Whatever. Yeah, but something resonates there. Yeah. Yeah, in your story. Yeah. Cool. So um, maybe we'll play the instrumental going in, and then um, I'll sing it. Great. Yeah? You want to try it? Okay. Uh, wish I'd stayed in the wagon yard. cars come in met a dude out on the street as the clock was striking nine says come on yo hey see have a drink just fine must have bought about a dozen drinks for it hit my pocketbook hard wish i bought me a half a pint and stayed in the wagon yard Church, yeah, down near Possum Trot. If the 
sisters hear about my spree, it's bound to make them hot. Went out on a little party and lit with the pace that killed. When I woke up, that gang was gone and left me all but dead. Found them on a corner near Old Salvation Hall. A drunken bunch was singing, oh Jesus paid it all. Threw me in a little dragon's box and Lord, my pillow was hard. Wish I bought me a half a pint and stayed in the wagon yard. with sense. If you want to see them electric lights, just look right over the fence. Don't come monkey with them city ducks, you'll find them slick as lard. Just go and get you half a pint and stay in the wagon one more. Visit Breakers Yard's website to buy their music, book them for shows and dances, and to hear about their upcoming performances whenever they're able to get together again. Visit the Mud City Old Time Society website at mudcityoldtime.org for more info about the Willamette Valley Old Time Social, local jams, and how to contact them to get involved. You can support Get Up in the Cool by sharing the show with a friend or sharing and liking the video posts on Facebook, Instagram, Reddit, and YouTube. And if you're able, please help fund this podcast by signing up at patreon.com slash getupinthecool. You can order a mask, t-shirt, bag, sticker, or phone case at Get Up in the Cool's merch store. Visit pitchforkbanjo.com for my instructional banjo series. Check out my other podcast, Think Outside the Box Set. It's available in all the same places as Get Up in the Cool. And again, everything I just mentioned is linked in the show notes for this episode in your podcast app. That's all for now, friends. Thanks for listening. Come back same time next week to Get Up in the Cool. 